0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Unlock Meaning, where we explore the strategies and tools to live a life of meaning and significance in every season of your life. I'm your host, David Brollman, and I dream that you can live a life filled with purpose and passion. Thank you for tuning in to become happier, more fulfilled, and more passionate. Each week, I'm revealing tips, strategies, and mindsets that enabled me to live a life of purpose and significance as a Christ follower, scientist and executive biotech leader, and humanitarian. I'm also having conversations with people from all around the world who stopped playing it safe. And instead, shoot for something bigger that will make this world a better place. So that you can gain new perspectives on living life with meaning and purpose. You can also find this on mymeaninginlife.com. Let's get started. In this episode, I'm going to talk about why most people never find their passion in life and how you can change that. Hey there, my name is David. In this episode, I want to talk to you about something that's really important. A lot of people never find their passion in life and spend entire lives wondering what they're supposed to do with themselves. In this episode, I'm going to show you how you can change all that and finally figure out what it is you're meant to do. So sit back, relax, and let me share my wisdom with you. What are the things actually that are keeping us from living our best lives? Number one, you have the wrong mindset. Yes, it happens right in here. Yes, exactly. God wants you to do new things with your life. As he presents his plans to you, he will give you dreams that may overwhelm you. They will force you to trust in him rather than your own strength. If you are not ready to launch yourself with a leap of faith, and you'll stay on the launch pad, not achieving your moonshot. To live the life God wants to give you, and the one you are longing for you need to adopt the right mindset. To quote Steve Magnus, an expert on health and human performance, Mindset Matters. The lens through which we analyze the world influences everything. When the disciple Peter received a new vision from God, he felt overwhelmed. But he was ready to embrace the change. Because one day God told him to eat pigs and bugs. How could he do that as a Jew? Impossible. He could have said, no way, I'm not going to do this crazy thing. But he did not hold on to his usual customs. You too must be willing to let go of your routine and get ready for the new things God has planned for you. It all comes down to adopting a growth mindset. In the words of the world-renowned Stanford University psychologist Carol Estweck, people with a fixed mindset, those who believe that the abilities are fixed, are less likely to flourish than those with a growth mindset. Simon Sinek, the British-American author and inspirational speaker, believes in the importance of adopting a winning mindset too. He writes, Leading with an infinite mindset in an infinite game really does move us in a better direction. Groups that adopt an infinite mindset enjoy Vastly higher levels of trust, cooperation, and innovation, and all the subsequent benefits. Because of maintaining an open mind, Peter flourished. When the conservatives of the church criticized him for eating with the Cornelius, so a pagan, a Roman soldier, or actually an army commander, he said, If God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ... Who was I that I could stand in God's way, said Peter. Peter's growth mindset enabled him to see what the other people couldn't and allowed him to help them understand God's plan. Alinka Rutovska, the CEO of Leaders Press, publisher of best-selling books about business, concludes, The greatest weapon in any entrepreneurial arsenal is not money, it's mindset. What keeps us from living the best life? Obstacle number two, you believe as a Christian, here it is, you should not seek success. For the first 10 years or so after graduating from university, I believe I should not focus on my personal and actually mainly professional success. I thought God would not like it if I earned too much money. I adhered to the motto, I don't live to work, I work to live misinterpreting to justify not being as successful as I could. But then gradually I came to understand what success as a Christian really meant. If you think, as a Christian, we shouldn't pursue earthly riches and recognition, you are right. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy And where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. There is nothing wrong with being humble. After all, Jesus became the ultimate example of humility when he took the form of the servant. What we must carefully distinguish is the difference between humility which Miriam webster defines as the freedom from pride or arrogance, and false modesty, which is merely pretending not to want wealth or recognition. But there is nothing wrong with success either. In fact, the Bible mentions success many times. For instance, in the book of Joshua, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your way prosperous and then you will have, what do you have? Good success. The book of Proverbs says in everything you do put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. So God does want us to be successful. Therefore, the question we must ask ourselves is, how does God define success? After reading the Gospels and the book of Acts, I get the feeling that God wants his mission here on earth to take off. He painstakingly prepared the disciples and then sent them the helper, the Holy Spirit, to provide them with optimal conditions to excel. There is no hint of him playing it safe or avoiding success. In the same way, God wants your life to have the biggest impact possible. As Paul said, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press onward toward the goal for the price of the ultimate and upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul dedicated his life to winning the prize of truly answering God's call. I have competed in many long distances races in, in, throughout my life, and I can tell that you must seek success to do well. <laughs> Otherwise, there's not much chance to win. Likewise, in our walk with Christ, we must strive to follow his lead with excellence. That's why I encourage you to adopt a godly view of success. What would this type of success look like in your business? How could you achieve it? If we truly follow Jesus' formula for success, we forego personal recognition and focus instead on saving people and restoring creation. As Paul concludes, To him be glory forever. If our success gives all the glory to God, it is healthy. If we pursue personal recognition, we mistakenly adopt this world's values. What keeps us from living our best life? Obstacle number three, your negative thoughts and self-talk. Stop for a minute and jot down what you're saying to yourself right now. Are your thoughts kind and encouraging or harsh and demeaning? I invite you to take an honest assessment of your self-talk, because doing so has the power to change your trajectory. Mahatma Gandhi once said, Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. And your values become your destiny. If you continually tell yourself, I don't have what it takes, you can almost be certain that you will not succeed. If you believe you don't deserve a great life, you will probably sabotage any attempts to make to improve your situation. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You must improve your inner narrative to experience positive outcome. But how do you do this? As the psychologist and author Benjamin Hardy suggests, first, you want to change your environment to change your mindset. Begin visualizing and imagining your desired future. Affirm powerfully to yourself that you are going to achieve that future. This means you sometimes have to fake it before you feel it. When God promoted Joshua to lead the Hebrews, the once bold man panicked and told himself that he wasn't qualified to take on such a big responsibility. God not only encouraged Joshua, but he also told him how to overcome his negative thoughts. He said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So Joshua meditated on God's world day and day out. And his thoughts became more positive. And as a consequence, he became confident and bold. He lived a spectacular life, beating 31 kings for the glory of God. And Joshua's daily practice of meditation altered his inner dialogue And eventually his trajectory. Instead of listening to his doubts and giving in what he was afraid, he vanquished his negative thoughts with God's help. Here's obstacle number four. You feel unqualified. The prospect of serving God may seem quite frightening to you. And yeah, it might be frightening. Yes. You may feel like you don't have what it takes to do his bidding. And actually, often we don't actually have what it takes. And that's on purpose. Many other people have felt they lack the skills for what God called them to do. Moses was afraid he wasn't a good enough speaker. He said, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Gideon felt too weak. He said, please, God, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. Jeremiah feared he was too young. He said, Behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. And the centurion who met Jesus felt unworthy. He said, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. What does it take to overcome this feeling of being unqualified to follow God's plan for your life? Donna Miller The author and the CEO of StoryBrand, a marketing company, suggests it's a matter of developing the right mindset. He said, people with a growth mindset believed their brains were adaptable and could get smarter. They were more willing to embrace challenges and did not see failure as a condemnation of their identity. I have found that successful people are learners Who constantly seek opportunities to be in rooms where they are not the smartest. And that's scary. But that's how they learn. They walk into a meeting and say, hey, I know nothing about this. Can you help me understand? Isn't that a wonderful mindset to have? And don't forget that God is accustomed to working with imperfect people. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So when he invites you to follow him, he will provide you with whatever skills you need to accomplish his mission. In the words of Carl Dweck, she said, your qualities are something you can develop. Everything can grow and develop. Your current level is just a starting point. You will learn what you need to know to get the job done. And as she continued, people have a lifelong capacity to learn and develop. Use it. Decide to become a lifelong learner. Here's obstacle number five, keeping us from living our best life. You have the wrong attitude. As part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he taught the crowd the golden rule. He said, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This was a revolutionary idea at that time that challenged people's attitudes by suggesting they stop focusing on themselves and instead concentrate on helping each other more. As an example of the golden rule, Jesus mentioned the Roman law that required people to help soldiers carry their equipment for a distance up to a mile. When the crowd booed, This seemingly unfair mandate, Jesus shocked them by saying, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Jesus was asking the people in the crowd to think of the soldiers as tired men who needed help rather than as oppressors of their freedom. He was challenging them to change their attitudes. Jesus made an important point that day. He said following him means changing your attitude because serving god is not about yourself it's about helping others that is a difficult concept to grasp especially in today's individualistic society where so much of the focus is on me i mine myself i me mine myself and you know As a volunteer working in Cambodia, I had the opportunity to meet many foreigners coming into the country to serve in churches and NGOs. And some of them arrived with a willingness to soak in everything new, realizing that in different countries, people do things in different ways. However, other foreigners struggled to embracing the Cambodian culture. And worse, they expected the local people to change and comply with their standards. They were not willing to revise their attitudes and learn new ideas. They did not embrace the golden rule. Jesus built a kingdom where the first are last and the last are first. He invited his followers to serve him and make his name great. Whoever humbles himself, he said, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you embrace Jesus' golden rule, you may not receive accolades, likes on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, or a high-powered career, but you will achieve the kind of success that truly counts. What keeps us from living our best life? Obstacle number six. You think you don't have the time. Brian Dyson, Coca-Cola's former CEO, once said, imagine life as a game in which you're juggling some five balls in the air. You name them work, family, health, friends, and spirit. And you're keeping all of these in the air all the time juggling. You'll soon understand that work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, it will bounce back. But the other four balls, the family, the health, your friends, and spirit are made of glass. If you drop one of these, they will irrevocably scuffed, marked, nicked, damaged or even shattered they will never be the same you must understand that and strive for balance in your life we all have just 24 hours in a day and must decide how to spend each of them so you have time to focus on the important elements in your life when someone just suggests you take on a big project even one proposed by god you might balk saying something like i can't take on other commitments, or I'm already fully booked, or even find someone who has more time to dedicate to the project. In my 30s, I noticed that many of my church buddies became preoccupied with their work and family balls focusing on the elements of their lives that directly impacted themselves. They tended to neglect the friends and spirit and faith balls, which dealt more with other people. Our lives are made up of seasons in which we espouse different priorities. Hence, we'll focus on different aspects of our lives at different ages. And that's fine. But pursuing the higher purpose God is giving you should not depend on your availability. Instead, I invite you to explore how you can rely on God to help you with the balls you're already juggling. And then add some more. Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The last thing Jesus wants to do is to force Us to accept another item on your already overflowing to-do list. Instead, he wants to give you rest by sharing his yoke with you. That way, he will empower you to do your vision by teaming up with him. With you, he will help you juggle your existing balls and help you achieve his vision for your life. Have you noticed? That when you are faced with a new and difficult task, you ask yourself, how can I do that? You assume that you alone must accomplish whatever needs to be done. Usually the solution to the how question involves adding on additional balls to your already full out and continuing to juggle. Hoping that somehow you don't drop one of the breakable ones. But what if instead of asking how, you asked who according to dan sullivan and benjamin hardy the authors of who not how rather than asking how can i do that and trying to do everything yourself ask who can help me and find experts who can assist you with the tasks you're not familiar with that will free up your time to concentrate on the things you do well As added incentives, if you work where your skills and passions intersect, your work stops feeling like work and you'll get more done in less time. And you have more energy and time to take on a new project, the one God has planned for you. To find your passion and life, a purposeful life, you must first mentally clear the way by opening your mind to God's new ideas. Any one of the obstacles we talked about can hold you back and keep you from living your best life. Eliminating these obstacles and cultivating a growth mindset are vital, but may take time and patience. Just remind yourself that in the end, it will be well worth it because you will find your passion in life. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. When we respond to God's calling, we find true joy and meaning. We have amazing resources waiting for you on our website, mymeaninginlife.com. If you've enjoyed today's session, please share it with your friends on your socials and help us review it on the platform you found us on. See you next time.